G'day community and welcome to the Jock Reynolds BBL podcast. My name is Damo and joining me as they do every single week is Dill and Azza. And also joining us is very special guest, Tim Mitchell from the KFC Supercoach BBL HQ. How are you doing, Tim? Yeah, great guys. No, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Um, I just wanted to say before we rip into too much of the, the podcast as well, just a big thank you to the whole Jock Reynolds community and, and especially all of you guys as well. And I know Leck and, and Patch aren't here at the moment, but um, what you're able to do to keep people interested and, and invested in um, KFC Supercoach throughout the footy season when um, everything went haywire was just awesome to see. So well done on uh, JREL and everything else that you were able to bring together to keep people talking super coach. So I know we really appreciated all your efforts and awesome to be on today having a bit of a, a chat about super coach BBL. I think it's fair to say that the pleasure is all ours because we spend an unhealthy amount just looking at every single version of our team, whether it's the BBL format or the AFL format or even the super coach racing format. And uh, it's unhealthy, but we love to do it. And Dil, Azza, how are you boys? Yeah, Good, excited mate. for another one of these, Damo. Yep. <laughs> Talking over each other. That was my fault for queuing you both in at the same time. And how close are we to finalising our team, everyone? I'm changing it every minute of every day. I mean, it's it's still hard with some uh, people to be signed, some internationals still yet to come in. So there's still a little bit of work to be done. But, oh, look, I keep tweaking it, just trying to find the right side. And it's driving it's starting to drive me nuts. So I'm looking forward to it, um, the first round lockout to come so I can finally lock a team away. Yeah, well, not- Tim, I saw with your team you had to settle for Nathan Ellis because Sandy Lamashani isn't due back until after Christmas. Is your team still pretty set in the way it was when you published that article? Well, I tried to be a bit cheeky and because the Hurricanes were hinting and we'd seen stories out of the UK that Lamachani was going to sign at some stage and they, they said they said the day of my team reveal or the day before when I was putting it when I was putting it all together, we're going to announce our last international tomorrow and I thought, oh fantastic, that'll be Lamachani. Lock him in. Because um, obviously I had a rough idea of, um, thanks to Bryce Mitchell and some other stats gurus, of, of what his price might be and thought 140000 that's too cheap to pass up. So I picked him in my initial team, hoping that he'd be there. And then lo and behold, the Hurricanes announced him the next day as arriving in January. So I had to go back to the drawing board. But that, that probably led me to a slightly safer pick anyway, because I picked Lamachano over Nathan Coulton Island. Uh, I think majority of teams are going to do the smart thing and, and pick Nathan Coulton Isle for just about the same price as Sandeep in round one. And I don't, my only question mark over Coulton Isle, we know he's had um, sort of some injury issues in the past, was whether he's going to be able to back up and bowl his full complement at eight overs over two days. But then again, he bowled really well in the IPL, got a couple of wickets in the IPL final. And um, for a professional athlete, even though he's had some injury history, like bowling eight overs over two days shouldn't be too much of a, a big ask. So... Um, I think Nathan Coulton Isle is going to be a really good pick for round one anyway, and, and probably Sandeep not being here for round one um, might have opened up a, an opportunity for me to, I don't know, you, you go down that sort of pod path in round one, don't you? And if it doesn't pay off, you fall behind the pack pretty quickly. But if I end up picking Coulton Isle and he's in 20% of teams, at least that way I'll be able to um, stick closely to a lot of the other um, coaches out there that sort of prefer star players for round one. Before we started, I asked everyone to compile a crystal ball, uh, who they thought the BBL champions would be, uh, who they thought the highest BBL average would be, and who they thought would score the most BBL Supercoach points, 
and the breakout cheapy. Who wants to go first? Oh, do you want me to do the honors, boys? I'll put my I'll put my neck on the chopping block first. Um, well, I've already put out there the fact that I think the Sixers are winning again. I don't I don't see any reason why you'd tip against them. Like they were, uh, apart from the stars who got close to them with a a pretty strong finish to the season. Like the Sixers were the superior team for a large portion of last season. They've kept most of their squad together. Um, if not all of their key players, like Tom Curran not being here at the start of the tournament, obviously is a bit of a blow for them, but he's going to be here at the important time. So they've only got to hold it together for maybe two or three rounds, really, until Tom Curran gets out of quarantine around Christmas time. So he'll come into the side and probably have a huge January. Uh, in the meantime, they've picked up Carlos Brathwaite as well, who will probably fill that role um, for the two or three rounds of KFC Supercoach before Tom Curran comes in. So... Um, yeah, I just really like the Sixers. I don't see a reason to tip against a, a reigning champion that hasn't really lost any players and um, has had a really solid squad for several years now in the BBL. So I think they're the team to beat. But I, I like the Thunder as a bit of a smoky as well. Like It would not shock me if um, the two Sydney teams played off in this year's final. Uh, Supercoach-wise, uh, you, you're probably looking at an all-rounder, aren't you? So top Supercoach scorer, like there was Daniel Sams last year based on the fact that he played the full season. Um, and, and that's what you're going to look for if you, you're sort of looking for those overall points, aren't you? Like, there's no point tipping someone like a Matthew Wade, for example. But I think the safe pick and, and probably the other guys are thinking along similar lines is Darcy Short. Like, he's not in any of the international squads now. Uh, he's got an early double as well, which probably gives him a chance to um, get a bit of a gap on the pack. So I think he's the highest priced player in the game for a reason, and he's going to be in a lot of teams regardless. Um, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised either if he had the highest average too, but you, when when you're looking for guys that I don't know might come in and, and play a few games later in the season, a guy that had um, I think the third highest average last season in the end was was Sean Abbott, who we're unlikely to see um, early on in the season because he's more than likely to be involved in the Australia A team. And then we're we're not too sure at the moment whether the Test players are going to be released from um, sort of the quarantine bubble uh, or not. So we, how much have we see of him up in the air? But I think Sean Abbott's another that'll average really well and, and justify his high price. Um, and the breakout cheapy, I, I know uh, I heard you guys just chatting off air when I jumped on, so hopefully I'm not um, cutting anyone's grass here. <laughs> but I think the perfect player to pick is, uh, and, and I've seen a lot of people going for Usman Kawaja and thinking he's valued at 115k, but I don't, I don't understand why you'd pick a guy in the same role as Max Bryant when you can take Max Bryant for 50k cheaper. Like it just makes so much more sense to pick Max Bryant. Yes, he was underwhelming last year, but. Um, he had a great season a couple of years ago. You get him for 50k cheaper than Kawaja based on the fact that, um, yeah, he didn't have a great tournament last year, only average 14. And, and I think he's one of the easiest bench picks of the year. You just, just lock Max Bryan in on your batting bench and he should make you some pretty nice cash early on. Some fantastic answers there, Tim. Thanks very much for that. Look, I think I'll just jump in now with my uh, crystal ball. Uh, for me, I think BBL champions... I'm going to go um, Hobart Hurricanes. I think their lineup looks just um, extraordinary with the batting talent that they've been able to bring in from overseas, and we know that they're sort of, um, they're quite damaging with the bowling attack that they've got there as well. So I'm going to stick at my neck out and say it's going to be the Hobart Hurricanes as the BBL champions. As for most points, um, I'm also going to go for the most points and highest average with the same person. I'm going to go Marcus Stoinis. I think uh, given that the Stars have two double game week rounds. Um, he's going to be averaging quite highly and scoring quite highly, and we already know what he's capable of doing through the season. If he's going to be bowling a lot more as well as we've seen in the IPL lately, that should boost his score up again, and 
I think it's going to be he's going to be one that's going to be hard to catch. Uh, and then in terms of breakout cheapy, I actually like the likes um, the looks of Will Sutherland uh, from the Renegades. I think he's really good value. He's uh, put a lot of effort in from the Shield side, and his development's um, progressing really nicely. And I think he's going to surprise a lot of um, teams throughout the year with his bowling and also his batting, given he's an all-rounder. And I think we should see uh, a nice, healthy price rise from him throughout the season, putting him into the category of um, that mid-range sort of premium, about that 150k um, range. And I think he's going to do well um, if people pick him early throughout the season. Awesome. I'll jump in there next. Yeah, I think um, I'm going to go with the Perth Scorchers. They've won um, three or four of the of the seasons gone by, and I don't see uh, why that can't happen again. A lot of their players um, in the past have been playing in the international um, one days or the T20s, but because of the whole fixture movement um, this summer, it looks like they'll miss um, a lot of that. There's not going to be a clash, um, so I think they'll have a large chunk of the side um, available for a large part of the tournament. So the Scorchers are my tip. Um, in terms of the top Supercoach score, I think I'll agree uh, with Tim and say Darcy Short. Um, he's He can do a job. He bats at the top of the order um, and, he, and he can do a job with the ball as well. You know, we took five for last year in one game and, and contributed um, in others as well. So Short's my tip um, for both the highest overall score and the highest average too. Um, and in terms of a breakout cheapie, I think I might, uh, might go Noor Ahmed. He's, he's only 15, but these sort of... Um, Unknown Afghan spinners, they come in and they take the competition by storm. Um, you know, Rashid Khan's one of the best bowlers in the world. Zahir Khan's another one. Uh, Muhammad Nabi even even as well. So, you know, these guys, a lot of the Aussie batsmen struggle playing against spin, um, especially with these guys that, you know, they're not going to have the same access to tapes and whatnot as they would um, some other players. So I think Noor Ahmad is one who I think could be a breakout cheapie. And before we started, I said my picks were going to make everyone laugh and think I'm a complete basket case, and uh, here's why. I think the BBL champions will be Hobart Hurricane, so I agree with Azza on that one. I think um, it won't be the first time I'm backing in a purple team to win their first title. And uh, the breakout cheapie is Noor Ahmad, so I agree with Dill on that one. The highest BBL average, uh, he's not available for the entire tournament. I think he misses first couple of games and might miss a, might miss a few in the middle of the tournament as well. But highest BBL average is, my prediction is, Liam Livingston. I think, I think if he bowls, I think he will bowl. If he adds bowling to his uh, repertoire, then he could come away with some massive, massive scores that boosts his average quite high and my most BBL Supercoach points tip is Ben Cutting to knock Darcy short off his that's a big call yeah wow I like that one, Damon. I really like the um the highest average I think yeah that's a that's a very good choice of Liam Livingston given that we've seen um his performances in the Vitality Blast have been phenomenal with a bat and ball. And I think um, in the article I did early on looking at those overseas scores that, yeah, his super coach average um, was in that Vitality Blast was over 90, which would um, be, yeah, knocking some um, people off the porch if they get that high. So I think that's a really good one, um, Damo. Yeah, I know I know that it's easy to say, but I was, I was very, very close to saying Liam Livingston as well, Damo. So I'm glad that I didn't cut your lunch there. Um, but yeah, I completely agree with you. I think in a short period of time, if he, he's only here for a month, but 
Um, we saw he built into last season really nicely. I, as you say, wouldn't be surprised if he picked up a couple of overs, but I think regardless, I think he's going to love having Jason Roy at the top of the order with him. And, and the Scorchers, I would not be shocked if they build up a real head of steam in January and um, show themselves as a real uh, title threat. So moving on quite quickly, the whole fixture was released. So we already know that that competition starts in Tasmania and the ACT. Uh, then it moves on to Queensland and then South Australia, or at the same time, really. And then after that, Western Australia and New South Wales get to go. What's the biggest takeaway from the updated fixture, guys? I think one of the biggest things is we we can all be glad that we're seeing cricket around the country again. Obviously, there was a lot of conjecture about whether we would see teams playing over in Western Australia or even here in Victoria. Now that you know we've got zero cases for 20, uh, 27 um, days, has been an absolutely marvellous to see. And it's now allowed us to get some games here in Victoria. So it'll be really exciting to see some of the teams. And we're going to have some opportunities to see some teams that we wouldn't have the opportunity normally to see. So for me, I'm locking in um, a game like um, the... Sorry, guys. I'm locking in the game on the Friday the 22nd of January where the Hobart Hurricanes play the Perth Scorchers at Marvel Stadium. That, I think that's going to be an absolutely magnificent game to see and to have that opportunity here in Melbourne now, that's just fantastic. So for me, I think that's probably the biggest thing that we could take away is just to be able to have those games played around the country. Yeah, 100%. I agree with that, as for sure, especially um, I'm Victorian-based as well. But we have, we missed all of the footy season pretty much, so to have you know any live sport back will be, will be awesome. And I guess from a Supercoach perspective, we got a taste for it um, in the AFL, but just being fluid and flexible with what we do, you know, there's not going to be that home ground advantage necessarily for teams anymore. Um, so, yeah, just being fluid and open to, to what we do in terms of a Supercoach perspective is, um, is what I'll take away from that. Yeah, I think you've summed it up well, Dil. Like I, I'm sure you guys have discussed this on previous podcasts, but but my initial takeaway from the the early fixtures was that I, I know we tweaked some rules in the off season to to try and bridge that gap between batsmen and bowlers in KFC Supercoach. But then you look at the the two hubs that they've got to start the season, and they're at Manuka Oval and and Hobart, well, with a few games at Launceston as well. But they're two traditionally grounds where um that they're, they're batting friendly pitches, so. Um, I think early on, anyway, um, if you're tossing up between a batsman and a bowler, it's probably a harder pick than in previous years based on um, the conditions that we can expect at those two grounds. But I don't know, beyond that, I haven't really had too much of a chance to, to look at the new fixtures. I'm just like you guys, and I'm, I'm so thankful that there's going to be um, some live sport back in Victoria. And, and from your perspective, Damo, as well, like you, your state has done a, um, an incredible job with um, dealing with COVID and, and all the challenges that have come this year as well. So for um, sport fans out west to actually get a taste of it all beyond um, sort of that that those couple of hubs that you had during the AFL season as well, I think that's a, a great result and I'm, I'm happy to see some um, cricket going out west as well. Completely agree, yeah. I, I was luckily enough able to get to one of the AFL games that was over here in the hub, but I actually penciled in going to the Hurricanes Thunder game on January 7 because I, because being, don't underestimate being a neutral supporter Mm. at a sport event. The, you can still get heaps of enjoyment from it. And 
you don't have to be a fan of either side to enjoy a game of football or cricket or whatever you're going to go and watch. Just being a neutral supporter, getting live sport in in this year especially is just something to, you know, just love really. Yeah, I'll jump in again there. I was lucky enough to go and, and watch a Scorchers and, and I think it might have been the Brisbane Heat um, last year um, at the new Optus Stadium and that was, as a complete neutral, that was an awesome atmosphere um, to be a part of and to to experience so yeah there's always um, I think that's one of the best things about the Big Bash a lot of a lot of people don't I guess connect to a side the same as they would in the AFL for example um, I know I'm a far more passionate Hawthorne supporter than I am a Melbourne Stars supporter um, but you know with the Big Bash it's on just about every night so yeah just awesome to have sport back. Have you guys looked into who could be the best um captain loophole player have you guys got that strategy in mind for this season yeah certainly so i think uh, one of the big takes that you need to look at when picking a captain loophole is looking at the uh teams that play that last game of the round and for me the team that seems to do that the most is the perth scorchers and i think picking a player like a cam green or an ashton turner is going to be very valuable to have um, but I know even in the first round, I've got a Renegades player on the bench, which might become a Scorcher, to give me that flexibility with it when I have the opportunity to have a striker on the field so I can loop in a player. So this is going to shock a lot of people here, and I know I've talked uh, about it a lot, but Glenn Maxwell is now in my side, believe it or not, um, because I'm able to then put him on the bench, bring in a striker like Danny Briggs or... Um, Matt Renshaw, have him on the field, then if Maxwell doesn't do well, I can bring in a Scorcher or a Renegade to then bring onto the field. Or if Maxwell fires, I'll just bring him in and then put a um, a non-playing zero onto my bench. So I think that's really a very valuable thing to have. And I think those players, like those Scorchers who are going to be playing those late games, the Cam Greens, Curtis Patterson, Ashton Turner, are going to be quite valuable to have in your side going forwards. And I guess the one thing you have to sort of keep in mind when you do pick a loophole bench player is, are they actually going to play? Because you don't want to put them on the field and then get stuck doubling a score of 10. No, that's exactly right. Um, We've fallen into the traps of that before. And that's one of the pitfalls of the double game weeks is you do want to obviously focus on the players that are going to be maximizing those value for you instead of picking those fringe players in those cheap players like in the round one where you're looking at maybe a Ben Dunk or a Seb Gotch or um, a Billy Stanlake. I mean, they're not traditionally high scorers. They're not going to average you well. You're better off picking someone like a Max Bryant um, at that price who's probably going to do do better than uh, a double game week player. But look, there's plenty of cheap options available this year. Obviously, not as many as we have had in previous seasons, but there are um, a lot, and especially a shout-out to Dill here, and he can jump in, but he's done a lot of rookie analysis that's um, on an article on our website now about the best rookies to pick. Um, it's a fantastic read, and I'd um, suggest anyone to go out and read that now that's looking for that captain loophole and rookies option. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for that, Azza. Um, yeah, there's a, a big guide there that I put together um, Tuesday, I think it was, so go and have a look at that if you haven't already. Um, one name that sort of uh, stuck out for me was Baxter Holt, who's um, on the Thunders list, um, and you can pick him as a wicketkeeper bat, and that was an attraction for me. He's only 42K. I don't think he'll play. Um, Sam Billings, 
arrives in about a month around Christmas time, I think. So he'll take the gloves when he gets here. But before then, I think it'll be Matthew Jilks that does it. Um, so, yeah, obviously, I don't think the Thunder's fixtures are as, um, as kind as what the Scorchers are, based on what Azza was saying before. But if you're looking for someone who's only 42K, Holt's the one to go, especially in that wicketkeeper position, which I sort of treat in many ways a little bit like the Rucks in the AFL Supercoach. So I'd Matthew Conroy for a lot of this year sitting at 102K. You're not wait. It's as cheap as you can get. You can sub him on um, if need be, and you can go from there. Yeah, no, you're definitely right there, Deal. So, yeah, back to the Holtz one, isn't he? He's, he's sort of that bargain basement price. Um, you're not wasting a lot by having him as your, your backup wicketkeeper. But I think as touches on a really good point, and it's something that like people that have looked beyond the first couple of rounds are probably going to notice as well that you get to round four and if you're using Baxter Holt as your only loophole option, Sydney Thunder then plays in the first game of the round against the Renegades. In round five, they're playing in the second game of the round against the Stars. And then in round six, they're back in the first game of the round as well. So all of a sudden, this loophole that you've relied on for the first couple of rounds isn't going to be there. It might be if you're lucky in round five, but um, certainly in round four and round six, you're going to have to come up with another option, which, which isn't necessarily going to be the worst thing because it's more than likely that with three trades every round, like you can mitigate that by, say, trading in a player who might have a buy in one of those rounds and using them as um, your, your loophole player. But, yeah, I really like Cam Green because I think he's, he's already in the one-day squad. Um, there's a high likelihood he's going to be with the test squad and whether that's with the test squad permanently or not, we just we don't know just yet. But let's say he's out until early January. I think the last test might be played on uh, sort of finishing on January the 7th. So if he's not with the Scorchers until about the 8th or the 9th of January, you can sort of use his bat bowl flexibility, swing in between positions. It helps with your trades. Um, and then depending on where you want to um, u- utilise that that loophole each round, um, you can use Cam Green's flexibility to make it happen. So um, I, I think he's a great loophole option to look at. Um, and I'm kind of hopeful in a way, it sounds funny to say, but I'd love if he didn't play until um, mid-January because I think it would make things a, a hell of a lot easier and I can just use him as my, my loophole up until then. And the captain loophole can also help you maximize double game week impact as well. Um, because you can probably grab a couple of players that you're not really sure about in that cheaper scale and loop them using a non-playing player to get the best possible score during those weeks. Yeah, that's exactly right, Dan. It's something that I just touched on in that last segment there, that um, if you really want to be looking forward and looking at who's going to be having those double game weeks in the next two rounds, well, it's looking really important to have maybe have that striker in your side, not to only get you a jump on the next round, but then also to be able to have that non-playing zero in round one to allow you to then loop in players that you aren't sure about. So as I mentioned, for me, I've got Glenn Maxwell sitting on my bench. I've always been a bit you know, iffy on him given his form, so maybe I'm going to start him on the bench, see how he does in his first two games, given that the Renegades and the Scorchers play that last uh, game in round one. If he fires, then I'll just bring in a non-player onto my bench and I can get that automatic with that non-playing striker on my field. Or, alternatively, if he fails, then I can bring in, like, your Nora Ahmed or uh, uh, another um, scorcher who's going to be the, that cheap player onto the field to then uh, offset that um, mishap by Maxwell. So there's a lot of flexibility to be to be looked at there, um, especially in round one, and also then, you know, moving forward, as you want to be looking forward to the other double game rounds that come into the fixture later on in the season. 
Yeah, and, and, and guys, just to jump in, loopholing is probably sort of more important this season than any of the past seasons as well because we've got, for the first time, players are able to, to choose their emergencies on their bench too. So anyone who plays um, KFC Supercoach AFL or, or KFC Supercoach NRL will know that um, you can try and use those um, bench emergencies when you're able to select them to your advantage. And I look at the fixture and, and almost every round last season we had a team on the double. So it was pretty obvious who you would trade for. But once we get past the first three rounds, you've got round four, round five and round seven where there's no team on the double. So if you're going to use those emergency um, spots, you effectively get a look at a player off your bench and then you can see if they score well before you both decide your trades and who you're actually going to field. Um, and it's a similar case in the run home, like four of the last five rounds in KFC Supercoach, there's no team with a double round nine, round 11 and round 12 and 13. So um, if you um, don't know much about loopholes, I'd, I'd definitely um, yeah, sort of do, do a bit of research into how you can best utilise them in, in Supercoach BBL because it's going to be pretty important that you um, know that as a, a strategy this season. Good stuff. I think we end it there, boys. Thank you so much for joining us, Tim. No worries, guys. No, please, please. Thanks for, as I said uh, early on, thanks for all you're doing to promote um, KFC Supercoach PDA and, and for anyone that's listening um, that's part of your Supercoach AFL following and um, is in two minds about whether they should sign up. It's very easy to do. We've got stacks of um, good prizes from our um, good sponsors at KFC on offer this season. I think you get... 11% off just for signing up and, and opting into some KFC marketing, which is a, a pretty good deal if you ask me. So um, supercoach.com.au is where to, um, yeah, where to head to pick your team and, and get on it today because the BBL is going to be on us very soon. And thank you, Dill and Ezra, for joining us once again. Uh, absolute Thanks, pleasure. Man.